Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 28 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I flip the script and I get interviewed by Zach Abbey. Please welcome myself. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. <clears throat> on this episode, we flip the script a little bit, and I actually get interviewed by Zach Abbey, and I really appreciate what the Abby, what Zach and Haley and Anon Farms has done for this community, as well as for this complex in general. Um, they put a lot of energy and effort into building a community here and to promoting Camino Commons, and uh, he approached me with this idea to interview me because he wanted to learn more about me and my story. And um, so anyways, this was all him. He made this happen, and so... Um, yeah, it was kind of fun flipping the script. And so anyways, I hope you enjoy this interview with myself uh, and Zach Abbey. And again, thanks to Zach Abbey for putting this together. All right, enjoy. Okay, hey Islanders, this is Zach Abbey from Ananda Farm on the south end of Kameno. And I am here with Brandon Erickson. Hey, Brandon. Hey. <laughs> this is quite a, a twist we've got in store for you guys today, actually. We're going to reverse the script here. And we're going to take a moment to sit down with Brandon, your regular host, and talk to him and get his story. Now I'm all nervous. <laughs> <laughs> that makes the both of us, actually. <laughs> but actually, I do want to just take a moment and, uh, and thank you, Brandon, because you had my wife, Haley, and I on, uh, on the podcast about a month ago now. And uh, it was just so nice to have the time with you. And... Um, and just the service that you're really offering to our community here to, to give people the voice so that we can know each other and know who's out there and figure out all the good things that are going on on Kameno. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I know this is going to be released way later on, but uh, your podcast actually just got released yesterday. So oh, it's out there now. Okay. I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> so uh, actually what I wanted to start with was just uh, I'll just mention my experience with Brandon here to give a little... Uh, insight into why I felt inspired to even ask about doing this. Because uh, about a year ago, Brandon started stepping into a big role uh, at the marketplace here. And I started to get to know him really well and realized that there was something special about him. And uh, and then actually we had a little impromptu interview after our interview. And he started telling us the story of how he got here. And it's quite a story. So I want to just go back to the very beginning and let's start with, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually from uh, South Korea. Um, I was um, adopted. I mean, I was adopted when I was probably like five, six months old. So I was not, um, you know, I, I was over there so short of time, but um, got adopted. At the time, my parents, uh, Jeff Erickson and, and my mom, Jody, uh, they lived in Tucson, Arizona. So I was adopted, and we lived there for the first five years of my life. Um, and we, <clears throat> so most of my mom's and dad's side of the family were down there. And so we would do, you know, Christmases and everything. And then that's when my dad, about when I was about five, he had discovered Kameno Island. He wow. was up here on a business trip. 
um, and drove onto the island and decided this is where he wanted to live, called my mom and told her. And my mom is the type that does not like change. Um, <laughs> she probably would have been happy living in the same house for her entire life. And um, called her and told her, I found a place. on. It's called Kameno Island. You can drive onto the <laughs> island. <laughs> so he was so excited about that and called her. And then um, he's like, this is where we need to move. Mm-hmm. And... She's like, don't you dare do anything. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just looking. And called her back about an hour later and um, said, we've got some property up here, but it's just for an investment. It's not to actually do anything with. Um, and later that day, I believe, he found a building. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What, would you, what year would you say that was around? That was around 94. 94. Might have been 93, just because I think I was five when we moved up here. So it might have been about a year earlier. Okay, so at that point, almost relatively recently after that happened, then you guys made the move up to Kameno, and you all moved here. Yeah, yeah. So we moved um, up in 95. We moved up here. Um, The plaza wasn't here yet. Um, Higgins wasn't here yet. Really, we had... um, We didn't have a whole lot (laughs) um, of shopping options, um, the most entertaining thing we had in town was, I believe it was called Encore Video. Um, and that was like, like you didn't even get the videos for a full five days. It was like, <laughs> you know, seven, $7 and you got the video for like three days. Yeah. Um, and they were very strict on all their, you know, late fees and everything. So it was like, get it, watch it and get it back as quick as you could. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's pretty, uh, pretty fun to look back on Kameno, even in that short of a span. And so then at what, how did Jeff start, Jeff being your dad? What was the first projects that he kind of initiated here? So when we, were, we moved up here, he still owned his printing company down in Arizona. And when we, as we were going through all of that, um, he would leave and be gone for months at a time um, to run the business. So we would be up here living our lives, and then we would go down there and visit him. So we'd visit and do, um, like we still did Christmases down there for a long time. Um, uh, and so he would usually go down way earlier than us. And the other thing about my dad during that time, he had this really bad fear of flying, um, to the point where he would rather drive straight for 30 hours to get from, um, Camino Island, Washington to Tucson, Arizona. And he would just drive straight and usually sleep for about an hour or two, at a rest stop and then keep going. Um, so he would just do that back and forth. And, uh, that was how he got back and forth between the two. He did not fly for the longest time. Wow. If he could avoid it at any cost, he would. I think that's the longest commute to work I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested more than as you got up here and Kameno came, started to become your home. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was so the first thing that we found out is that at the time Kamano didn't have any elementary schools for us. Wow. Um, wow. So we, yeah. So we <laughs> had no up, idea. We started going to uh, Twin City Elementary School, and uh, we did that for about a year. Um, but it was it, you know the school schedule, this school bus, everything, and we started making friends on the island during that time. One of my good friends is actually. Um, his dad is a chiropractor, Dr. Ray Pope. Mm -hmm. He's been my chiropractor since we moved up here. Wow. And one of his sons was one of my best friends growing up. So, um, we hung out with them a lot and we were like, well, you guys don't go to school. Where, what do you do? 
And we have a pretty big homeschool community here on Camano mm-hmm. Island, or at mm-hmm. least we did at the time. So, you know, back in uh, Arizona, when anyone that did homeschooling was usually because the kid got kicked out of school uh, or there was some other reason that they didn't. And so um, my parents were completely like shocked. They were like, why are we doing, why are you guys doing this? And how do they get social lives? And, um, but we joined in after about a year, we joined up with the homeschool community. Um, At the time we had a co-op, a homeschool co-op on the island that had around a hundred families that participated in it. Um, it was a really, really big co-op, really well rounded as well. We had a lot, like my, my chiropractor, he taught our, uh, science class. Incredible. Um, and we had, um, an inventor that would teach us like aerodynamic classes. Um, so we just had a very well-rounded group of dads and moms that were all well-educated that would teach these great classes during the co-op. So I'm curious then, I'm very intrigued by that idea actually and didn't realize that there was something like that on the island. Mm-hmm. But uh, was there like a central location? Where would you go to for the science class itself? Yeah, so we actually had, we met at Camano uh, Chapel about oh. midway on the island. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we would, we housed it out of there during the time and um, it, you know, it just kept growing. And then, um, and I think it's, it's been moved or closed down. Um, but yeah, during the, I mean, during the time that I was in junior high and high school, it was really thriving all of that time. Wow. Um, so, but yeah, no. And and so we would meet there and then the, the, uh, science class, we would actually meet on a different day of the week. Okay. And it would be a, I think instead of an hour long class, it would be like a two hour or three hour long class. And we did field trips around Washington state. There's a lot of like really neat, um, like natural reserves mm-hmm. and then different sites that we got to go to. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. That is really fun to hear about. Uh, I'd like to see something like that come back again on the island. Yeah. Actually, it feels like it's still that cooperative spirit is yep. still alive and well here. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm curious now, as we kind of, as you're, you're getting a little older on the island, what was the high school? What was it like to be in the high school age range and growing up on Kameno? Yeah. So one of, I mean, one of the things that, and I was doing this even before high school, like throughout junior high, my friends and I would bike all over the island. Wow. Um, so we, I mean, we didn't have cars or anything and it was not quite as busy. Um, so we would, you know, our favorite spot. So I live on the very north end, of the north end of the island uh-huh. um, off of Arrowhead. And so a lot of my friends lived somewhat in that range. So we'd usually all bike ride and meet somewhere. Cool. Our favorite location back in the day was to meet at the little store by the bay. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually where a condo, there's some condos there, and I think there's a dance studio there as well, mm-hmm. or an art studio. But um, it was a little store there, and they fried up some burgers and stuff during <laughs> lunchtime. They had a little candy section and just a little convenience store. But it was such a neat, like it was a log cabin looking thing. Um, it was like my favorite store to go to. So we would always ride down there, um, buy a candy bar. Sometimes we'd get lunch. Um, and then we would go and hang out down on the beach off of Atzalati, which mm. I did find out it was a private beach we were on. So um, <laughs> that was fun. Irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> um, but I also found out recently that one of the people who served us mul- uh, many times down there is actually uh, Rachel with his biz. Oh, she wow. worked um, the counter there many Amazing. days. So 
um, yeah, so she's one of the people that served us. I didn't never made that connection before. So it's just amazing to hear this ex- your experience really of just being here and really informative years of your life and experiencing the island like that. Because you know, for myself, just coming relatively recently, seven years ago, just the ideals that you're kind of speaking of, of Kameno as the smaller community and the little store and being able to bike the island, these are just, that feeling is still here. And yeah. so it's really nice to actually hear you just share that experience. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we did, um, we, so from the north end of the island, we actually did some bike rides where we went down to like the state park and then biked around there um, and did things like that. And I'm thinking now as a like I was 14, 15 during that time and we didn't have cell phones or anything. Mm-hmm. So like we'd be gone for a few hours and our parents had no way of contacting us. Totally. Or, and wow. it's just weird to think about that. Like now I'd like freak out if I had a kid that age that was gone for that long and I had no way of contacting them. True. Yeah. Amazing. So it made me curious. You mentioning biking to the state park. Did you ever have the audacity to climb that hill? Um, <laughs> we would usually get as far up as we could and then we'd walk the road. <laughs> Okay, I've often thought about that. It'd be a good sledding hill. Yes. But I don't know about bike riding hill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's keep moving then. And I'm curious at what point you, because you, you did then move off the island. Yeah. And can you tell us when that happened and what that process was like? Yeah, so for me, I was, <clears throat> um, so my dad started the coffee roaster company uh, beginning of 2000, slightly before and um, he started that just in the barn on our property, and we were working. He was working on getting that started and going. Um, obviously, I was still pretty young. I was in my early mid-teens, and um, but then I did start working with the business. I started by just doing janitorial stuff, hmm. uh, cleaning bathrooms once a week, um, you know, running around doing wiping windows, and then I would do like make boxes for the shipments. And um, eventually, I started doing some roasting of the coffee. I would do that one day a week as well. And so I was slowly working a little bit more and more on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my good friends who worked there for a long time, Alexander, most people might remember, mm-hmm. um, uh, he worked there as well with me. So we would uh, tag team on cleaning and on working on getting some, you know, roasting coffee and bagging it. Um, but then as I got older, I started getting closer to, you know, 17, 16, 17. And my dad sat me down and was like, okay, so where do you see your future? And I was like, well, I'm assuming I'll just keep working in the coffee roasting (laughs) business. Um, And he's like, no, no, I don't want you to just jump into this business like that. I want you to go get some real experience Mm. and then come back. Um, And, you know, as a high, you know, early high school kid, I was kind of like, oh, I guess he doesn't want me. But, um, but at the same time I did recognize that, okay, he wants me to go get some more life experience. Mm. Um, so at that point we met with, uh, a gentleman that worked at Boeing and had been in mechanical engineer, um, maths and sciences were always my strong points, mm. strong suits. So I ended up going and talking with him and he presented like with mechanical engineering, this is kind of your world of opportunities and it's kind of whatever you want to do. Mm. Um, because engineering and mechanical engineering specifically, touches so many different aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it You can really go anywhere with it mm-hmm. um, and work in any industry that you want to. And even if you don't use the technical skills, the, the system, the problem solving, the system making, all of that stuff continues on 
no matter what business or life you're in. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, so that was kind of it. And, you know, by near end of high school, I decided, okay, I think I'm going to pursue mechanical engineering. And um, then I started going to Everett Community College. From mm-hmm. there. Um, and I did that for a couple years. So. And did you move to Everett at that point? or No, actually. So um, this is a fun fact of me. Um, so I lived... Um, I continued to live with my parents Mm -hmm. through my time at Everett Community College. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I started dating my wife, Brittany. And we were wanting to get married as soon as we could. But my dad said, well, you can't get married till after college. (laughs) And we were like, that's that's a long time because that's four years. And as a 17-year-old, that's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) 16, 17, that's a long time. So we're trying to figure this out. And finally, we convinced my dad that he would let us get married when I got done with community college. Mm. But at the time, I was on track to be a three-year communi- three years at community college. So he still figured there was some time. Um, well, my wife and I, at the, or fiancé at the time, actually girlfriend at the time, uh, we started, I started talking with my counselor, and we figured out a plan that I could finish college a year early. Oh, man. <laughs> so, um, so... You know, we figured it out. I talked it over to Brittany. She was super excited. So then we came to my dad and presented that to him. Unreal. That we were able to get married a year earlier than he was expecting. Wow. Um, so I actually got That's married. That's one reason to excel in school. Yeah. <laughs> I had motivation. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I had, um, I actually ended up getting married just only a year after my sister, mm. who's uh, a few year, uh, three years older than me. So I think my dad thought, Okay, we still got time. Like, we got married, got our first child married off. We'll have some years and then our second child. Um, but instead, it was like one summer, then the next summer. So, were you around 20 at yep, that time? Yeah, I was 20 when we got married. Wow. Um, and then we moved as soon as we got married, got, went on our honeymoon, uh, and then um, basically took off and moved over to Pullman, Washington to go to wow. Wazoo. Wow. So, I've never lived on my own as a single guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've lived in my parents' house and went straight from that to living in a you know with my wife. So well, those come with their own challenges. So <laughs> that's really good. that is really awesome to hear. Can you tell us a mi- for a moment about your wife? Yeah. So my wife Brittany, um, she grew up in Cedro Woolley. Hmm. Um, she moved there when she was I think around five as well um, from Seattle. She her family was living down there. Um, then they decided to leave the city and, and find a area where they could do more farming and, mm. um, get closer to that, like their roots there. Um, both my in-laws are like hardcore hippies. Um, <laughs> they were like, my mother-in-law was part of the Hayton Ashbury. Wow. Um, and they lived in communes and, you know, they lived a, for quite a while. They lived at a place that had no running water or electricity. Mm, sounds like my kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you would get along very well. Um, so, yeah, they, they wanted to get back out of the city. They were kind of tired of that life mm. and wanted to get out to where they could do farming and everything. So mm. um, they bought a place outside of Cedar Woolley. Um, that's where my, my wife and her younger sister grew up. And, um, yeah, but my wife, so from that upbringing, though, and this is completely different than mine, my wife had the upbringing of um, her mom always showed her, like, you know, seasons and vegetables mm. and fruit and what grows in what season, how to grow, um, you know, organically, how to buy bulk food mm-hmm. to, you know, save on money and do it in an efficient way, but eat healthy by cooking from raw ingredients. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and, and doing that. And that's how, just how she grew up. Mm. Um, versus me, I was, you know, we didn't have as much, we didn't cook a lot as much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot less was completely from raw. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a few different dishes that my mom had, makes and still makes mm-hmm. um, that she starts from raw and goes all the way through. But um, there was a handful of those. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was different for me getting introduced to her family. Like, they grew most of the food that they ate. Amazing. And yeah. um, and especially growing up, most of the meat that she ate, they raised. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really did just learn to eat. You know, they always ate very healthy and everything. Mm-hmm. And most of it was from their own garden. Incredible. Yeah. So. Well, really a huge blessing because I sympathize with your experience of, you know, I think our, for our a lot of us, our generation, that kind of holistic lifestyle and dietary understanding, it skipped a lot of us yeah. just because things came, became so convenient mm-hmm. and uh, oriented towards big stores and boxes and things that uh, we've, we kind of forgot for a while. But it's nice to hear that she didn't skip that. And I'm sure she's been a good influence ever since. Yeah. yeah. No, and it, it's been incredible. I mean, some of the things she... Um, I mean, I don't think she takes for granted anymore, but just her upbringing, like when we were in college, um, you know, I was working part time, she was working part time and, um, but, and then our rent was really low cause it, we found a very small place to, mm. to live in. But, um, you know, she immediately got started getting connected with local farmers and everything. And we probably ate better than most people in Pullman, but we were on this shoestring budget. Mm. Um, but she made it stretch and she, you know, we had these, you know, great dinners and stuff. The only only one that I will say that I never <laughs> liked was I wasn't a huge fan of lentils. <laughs> Still am not. And lentils are all over over there in Pullman. And so she would make lentil soup. And every time she did, I'd be like... Oh, because the other thing is that she's learned over time. But when we first got married, she was used to cooking for her family. Mm. So when she made a lentil soup, it was like a full pot. And it usually lasted us three to four days. And it wasn't my favorite thing. (laughs) And then you have to have it three or four days in a row. And so um, one of the the best things (laughs) was, this is terrible, Um, when my wife got pregnant with the twins... Um, she started getting, you know, morning sickness and all that. Well, one of the first, she was like, I don't want to have to cook. I'm just going to make a big pot of lentil soup so we can have dinner for the next few days. So I don't have to think about it. Well, we got probably one or two days into that and the morning sickness and the lentils, like everything was blending together and she was like done with it. And she was, so we had like a half a pot left and she was just like, you need to dump it. I cannot have it anymore. Like I'm too sick from it. And from there for probably a, over, I don't know how many years, many years, we never had lentil soup because wow. it was so burned into her brain from the morning sickness. Wow. And you haven't stopped rejoicing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's excellent. And so then at some point, you guys made the move back to this side of the mountain. We did. So um, the, our oldest two, our twin girls, were born dead week of our uh, last semester of school 
which your last semester of school, dead week is actually your busy week wow. because all your big projects are due that week. Mm. Um, so I kind of skipped out on a couple of those <laughs> and my friends in my class super covered for me. And um, that was super, yeah, it was great. So yeah, if you ever want to get out of classwork, just have a baby right before. Finals. Oh man. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, we did that and, um, and then we moved back over here. Uh, we actually lived with my parents for a while mm-hmm. while we were trying to get our feet under us. And then eventually I got an engineering job. Um, and that was up in, uh, at a company called Krauss Manufacturing up near Linden. Hmm. So we got that job and we moved out to uh, Linden and we lived there for about six months. Mm. Um, and Linden has a very interesting town. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much farther I should go into that. <laughs> I don't know much about Linden, so. Well, it's very Dutch um, and everyone that's up there is, is Dutch and it's all is very much family-based. It's who mm. you know mm-hmm. and not just who you know. It's who you're related to. Mm. So it's not like you can go up there, start getting to know people, and then be on the end group. Like when the, we moved up there, we started talking to some people, and they, they're like, oh, what's your last name? And we're like, Erickson. Oh, the Erickson. So you must be related to so-and-so. And we're like, <laughs> no. no. Are you related to so-and-so? <laughs> no. Huh. And then they turned around no. and walked away. <laughs> okay, see you later. <laughs> So it wasn't exactly like moving home. Not quite. Yeah. And, and Linden is way out there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things about when we were up in Linden, we were talking to this gal, and um, my wife was talking to her, and she's like, oh, so have, have, did you grow up in Linden? And she's like, yeah, I grew up in Linden, and then I moved away um, to Bellingham and went to school, and now I've moved back. And so my wife says, oh, so you've always grown up in this area. And she goes... Very like sternly, no, I grew up in Linden, then I moved to Bellingham, wow. then I moved back to Linden. <laughs> Which, for clarification, I, Linden is about a half hour outside of Bellingham, is that right? Right. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a straight <laughs> shot from the guide meridian down. <laughs> and, well, well that, that tells the story of Linden, I think. So, but they do have, they had a great little uh, burger place up there, actually a couple of those. Um, and, uh, as far as the town is, it's, it's really cute. Like it's a cute little town. If you go to the downtown, yeah. um, it's a nice looking downtown. So. Cool. Yeah. And so then, yeah, <laughs> then it's at this point you're working in Linden, yep. but you said you were only there six months living there. Right. Yeah. So we were living there and we worked, I was working at Krauss Manufacturing and, <clears throat> but the job I got was actually a temporary position. I was, uh, subbing in for a gal who was on, uh, I just had a baby, so she was on uh, maternity leave. And so, obviously, my goal was that after she got back, they would bring me on full time. Well, we hit, uh, they hit a slump in work, and they had let some of their, like, main people go. And I was like, this is not boding well. So, soon enough, um, I got my letter and was like, time to move on. So, um, I got hired on after that. I got hired on as a metrologist at Janicky Industries in Cedro Woolley, uh, up at the Hamilton plant. What is a metrologist? <laughs> <laughs> so metrology is basically kind of the science um, of measuring. So like when we were doing metrology, we had to do things like where we would take, you know, thousands of data points over the surface of, of something and then we'd have to match that to what the uh, computer design looked like. 
and we had to make sure it was what's considered intolerance. And these tolerances we're talking about, like on some of these things, we're talking 0. 0.03 in like centimeters or um, to we're getting into this super, super fine, like it has to be exactly what it's supposed to be because uh, they do aerospace tooling. Okay. So in the aerospace industry, like that tool. I'm like, what are you measuring? Yeah. <laughs> so we were, yeah, on those tools, you've got to measure to this super fine point degree because mm. then there's got to be a little bit of lenience and tolerance for the actual airplane parts that are coming off it. So we have to go to this extreme, like fine-tuned point. Um, and so I, I did that and I worked swing shift and I was still, we were still living in Linden for, um, probably a f couple months still after I had got the job there. So mm -hmm. Linden, it seems like Linden to Cedro or Hamilton shouldn't be that far, but there is no straight shot mm. to there. Mm -hmm. So I had an hour and a half commute there and an hour and a half commute back with zero traffic. Mm. Um, so, and I was taking Highway 9, which is just like the super dark, windy highway all the way there and back. And I would drive home at like 2, 3 in the morning. Oh, man. Um, so I got pulled over one time and they're like, what are you doing out here? And I was like, I just got off work. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, where are you from? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's where uh, I worked there for, um, well, I worked as a metrologist for, um, I think, about a year. And then I got wow. moved into their wow. design group. Okay. So, yeah. And then when I was working in the design group, I worked as a stress analyst. Um, yeah, I know all these fancy words. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so basically a stress analyst is the group that comes in after the, the design of a project is done. We make sure that all the bolts are strong enough that the tool, when it's used in its correct way, won't break. Hmm. Um, that it's good for a lot of repetition. Um, so we would do these pretty in-depth um, stress reports on them. Wow. Um, so that's what I was doing there. And yeah, and then from there, I actually got put onto a temporary project um, over in Charleston, South Carolina. Holy crap. So yeah, I was, that was a offsite job we had over there. Um, and I was working with the Boeing group over there and I did um, on the floor help. Um, we were kind of just working, partnering with them on some projects. Mm, mm -hmm. um, so we lived over in Charleston for eight months. Wow. You guys just up and moved. Yep. Wow. Yeah. What an time, experience. Yeah. Well, and we actually had a house at that point. We had purchased a house. So our one of my wife's good friends moved in and lived out of our house for eight months, cool. which was perfect. And um, so we were able to put everything together and get over there. We lived there and... Thankfully, we lived there like October through May. Um, so you missed the summertime in we South did. Carolina. And it was great because we were there during winter. And to us, it was summer. But to everyone else, it was winter. Amazing. So we went to beaches and there was no one on the Amazing. beach. <laughs> and it was great because my, my son during that time, my oldest son, was um, going on this shorts kick and would not take off shorts ever. And always wanted to wear shorts and wouldn't wear pants. He would throw this huge fit. So we finally, when we moved over there, we're like, fine, you can wear shorts. And so he got to go all winter wearing shorts and was so happy about it. Um, and then we moved back right as summer was starting here. So it was it was good. But, wow. Okay, yeah. so I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking to make this bridge here because this is a whole nother world that you're taking us into. And yet here we are sitting uh, in huddle at, at the marketplace. And so at some point... You had a true homecoming, and you came back to Kameno. Yeah. 
Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah. So it actually worked out well. We were, um, when I had come back from uh, Charleston, um, I was, I had actually done a lot of reading and um, my wife, uh, so as a kid, I was a terrible reader. Never did, like, I couldn't read very well. Um, I had some vision problems, and so I was just slow at reading and then never put effort into it. Um, but when we were over in Charleston, and a little bit prior to that, my wife introduced me to audiobooks, and then specifically, like, business books. Hmm. And so I started getting into more and more of, like, self-development and things like that. And I had kind of started to change direction of, like, what I maybe wanted to do with hmm. what my career and everything. Mm -hmm. And got back to Janicky and back here on, on this side. And, you know, I think when you start feeling like maybe you want to move on, things just kind of fall into place. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm usually I'm someone that's fairly content and I can live and work in pretty much any environment. Mm -hmm. And I could probably just do that for a long time. And that's um, a great quality. Yeah, it is, and sometimes you can just get in this rut and mm. you just stay there, though. Mm -hmm. You need mm -hmm. a little push in the back. And so I think all of that was kind of going around. So I came back, and I, set, I decided I was going to try something else in the company. I was going to work in a different department. And, you know, I was working on this different department and everything, but it still wasn't quite working out. Mm -hmm. And I, it wasn't, you know... I was trying to fit in and figure out, like, okay, is this really what I want to stay and do? But I think that was apparent and came through to my managers as well. Mm. Um, and so finally they kind of came to me and were like, this just isn't working. Um, and so I got laid off. And that was beginning of summer after we'd moved back. And so I, you know, I took that. I was like, I think this is probably on, like, this was my shove to get out the door. Because otherwise I would have just stayed there. Mm relatively happy but never like really fulfilled mm -hmm. and um amazing how the universe will shove you sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kick you out the when door. you need it <laughs> um so yeah then i started um <clears throat> i started doing job searching and kind of trying to figure out okay do i want to stay with engineering because i wasn't really that wasn't where i was feeling it hmm. and i was looking at other career paths and um and so anyways i, I was talking with my dad over it and was like, well, what if I joined up with a company? And this was pretty early on after I'd been let go. We were going back and forth uh, on that discussion um, for a couple months because we wanted to, there was a lot of things at play here because it's a family business and top priority is always family for us. Mm. And at no point did my dad want any sort of thing within the business or anything to come between us as family. Mm. And so we had lots of long discussions on that, making sure that we could work together, that it would all, that our families would still be a cohesive unit at mm. the end. Mm -hmm. And um, our, our decision was that, yeah, we can, we can do this. We can lay guidelines down and we can make this work. So is it fair to say that initially you expressed an interest in coming back to the family business and your dad said more or less no? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It was, um, you know, and my dad always takes time to process and he mm -hmm. continually thinks over a problem. Mm -hmm. So he, he kept thinking about it. And then like, as I'm going throughout that summer, I was still applying at other jobs and, um, trying to get interviews and things like that. And every once in a while I'd get a phone call from him and we would have a discussion or he would say, Hey, come on down here for a little bit. And I'd come to his office and we would talk 
And he'd say, okay, well, let me think about it some more. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was a lot of going around there. But um, then then he started thinking about it more. And there was a project that was come up, coming up with our uh, smoothie base. Okay, segment. that's what I was wondering. So well, how did you make that? What was the first thing you took on? Yeah, so we did a – there was a, our uh, Frozen Explosion, our smoothie base company, was starting a project in Guatemala. And so <clears throat> he didn't have anyone that was specifically um, – on that project and it was going to be a fairly big project it was going to be a lot of traveling Mm. back and forth to guatemala and making connections with um, some big players down there and so we started talking and he said okay i think i think this project would fit you so and with those big projects you never know when they're going to start so he had to bring me on a little early start getting me more introduced again to frozen explosion i grew up with it um playing around with it Mm. but kind of getting reintegrated into it um, and more from a business perspective, not just a fun make drinks perspective. <laughs> and um, Both are necessary. <laughs> right. So we did that. And, um, and then, you know, I was still working on like, I would help um, my, so my good friend uh, Alexander was still working here. Mm-hmm. And so I would help him with some projects. I'd help my t- uh, brother-in-law with some projects. Um, so TJ, owner of Camino Island Coffee Roasters, I'd work with him a little bit. So I'd, I'd do like little odds and end projects, and then I, I started helping Alexander with some of the common stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one day, my dad said, okay, I need you to get your passport. Is it up to date? And I said, well, I think so, and I, it wasn't. So I had to go get that re-updated, and he's like, because this could happen any day, and you know, everyone's kind of like, well, we've heard that before. But then within a month, we were on a plane down to Guatemala. So, yeah, we started that project. And um, during that time, I would go down to Guatemala for about a week at a time every month. And I would work with um, a, basically, I had a handler down there that was working the head of the project down there. Hmm. And we would drive around Guatemala opening up um, inside. So they had a big uh, cake um, bakery called uh, called Hollandessa, and so we were actually working with them to launch Frozen Explosion Dump. Mm. Wow! So, yeah, so I did that, and um, we did that for like five to six months before the project wrapped up. So, you, was this just a couple few years ago? This was, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and the final bit of that project, um, I actually got to go down with my whole family, and we lived in Antigua, Guatemala, wow. for three weeks and for those of you who don't know you need to google antigua guatemala it is one of the most beautiful cities in the entire world um it's all centered around a central square hmm. and everything the streets and everything are built out from there in like a uh like a squ- expanding square pattern wow um and it's just it's an amazing city if you ever get a chance to go there cool thanks for the heads up <laughs> what an experience yeah and so then at some point, you started taking on more of the management actually at the commons itself. Right, right. So then after that project wrapped up, <clears throat> um, I was still working with Frozen Explosion. I did some trade shows and things like that. Um, but then, then during the not crazy season for Frozen Explosion, um, I started taking more and more on for the complex. So the the um, property management side of Camino Commons. Mm -hmm. So working with the groundskeeper um, and working with tenants to make sure everything's going well there. 
um, and keeping track of all of you know all the things that are going on around the complex, um, and then really trying to get um, more energy and events and stuff started. But I had no idea what I was doing. I, I honestly was like, my dad was like, "Well, I think we should do more events and stuff." I'm like, "Yeah." And what? (laughs) So, um, you know, that was definitely something I had no idea what I was doing. Well, as you said that, I just had a flashback to Saturday night, which uh, was about three or four days ago now. And Mm -hmm. just the feeling I had when I walked into the courtyard, this was the Christmas lighting celebration, which has now become an annual thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just walking into the courtyard and seeing so many people and so many little people, kids everywhere, And just the lights and the tree and just the and the spirit of it felt so good. And uh, it was just, an, it felt like, honestly, the feeling that I had was it felt like I was in the beginning scene of a Christmas movie when you're just kind of, when it's just feels so much like Christmas. And so I'd say, I don't, you know, there's many events that you do, obviously, at this point, but uh, you're, you've nailed some of them because the turnout and when you see the community really come together around this commons, mm-hmm. Uh, there's something, there's something really there. Yeah, and and I gotta say, um, I, I want to throw a shout out there to um, Brian from Naked City, mm. um, which is where uh, Tapped is now. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really so between him and then Jessica McCready, who I had on the podcast mm-hmm. episode two. Um, those two people were really my mentors in learning how to put on an event and what it, what that entails. Amazing, yeah. Um, so with Brian. He had been doing events down at the Naked City Pub in Greenville. and uh, Greenville? Green, whatever. Green Lake? Green Lake. I don't know. Hey, guys. This is Brandon jumping in. <laughs> the correct location is Greenwood. Uh, I just could not remember that on the podcast. So, anyways, just wanted to give that correct shout out. Anyways, back to the episode. No, it's right outside Seattle. <laughs> anyways, yeah, yeah, that pub. Um, I said it so confidently that I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea if that's the right name. Anyways. Um, he'd been doing, they had made their name as a pub by putting on these events. So they did like these DJ music wow. nights, um, these great, mo- you know, old movies and all these different events that they would put on. And when they moved up here to this complex, uh, that was one of the big things. He's like, I want to see a bunch of big events that mm-hmm. happen here. Mm-hmm. And so he was the one who got the Christmas tree lighting started. Wow. He started the beer can derby racing. Wow. Um, and um, he just would do these grand scale events that he would start talking about. I'm like, that sounds amazing. How do, what do we do? <laughs> and so, you know, he really worked with like Rich Crouch on getting the children to start doing that. Um, he would help get the tree out here. Um, he would help decorate the whole courtyard. And so it was such a, big scale event, but he would break them down into little steps. And then I would be able to just work alongside him on these. Mm, wow. Um, and, uh, that was something this year as I was watching the tree lighting, I was like, this is a legacy of what he started with what, you know, him putting the energy and effort into getting it started. And now we get to follow in his footsteps. That's really, that's really awesome. One thing you said there that, uh, that caught my attention was just mentioning that idea of mentorship mm-hmm. and re- and expressing that openness to a teacher. And, and maybe you can speak to that a little bit, what that, how that has played in your process. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things, um, since I've moved here and, or started working within the complex and, it, and even now, um, 
I am, you know, I'm, I'm willing to learn and figure stuff out, but you know, a lot of the visionary stuff and a lot of, um, getting to certain places, sometimes I just get completely lost on mm. the road mm-hmm. and I don't have a clue where I'm going or how to get there. And, um, coming into this role, I had so many mentors. I've had my dad who's been doing business since he was 15, 14, mm. younger, mm. um, and just has been, is really, uh, I mean, um, so many things, but is just very well versed in business. Mm-hmm. It's what he lives and breathes. And having someone like that to be able to guide me along the way, having different mentors within um, event planning and organizing. Um, and then my brother-in-law is excellent at just breaking down a problem. Like mm. there's so many times I would go to him and say, okay, this is what I have to get done. Mm. Or this is my problem I'm having. Mm. And he would sit down for hours with me and help me break it down and say, okay, well, it looks like if you do this and you do these steps, that'll at least get you to the next level. Mm-hmm. And then I could go back to my, you know, go back and work on breaking down those steps and then moving from there. Mm. Um, and then, um, and then just people within the community as well. But I think all of that, I've had these people that, and still have these people and mentors that I'm able to work with to learn from Mm -hmm. and these advisors that I can go to Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, this is my problem I'm having. What have you done in the past? And I think the more open I've been in doing that, Mm -hmm. the more I'm willing to reach out and ask people, Mm. the more information I'm able to get and the better I am afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, And that's actually a big part of the podcast as well is learning from people that have been on the Island for many, many years, like Mm -hmm. Mike Nestor, um, or, or people that have just accomplished so much more than I uh, probably ever will. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but just talking with these people and learning what they do and, and how have they been successful and how have they been successful in different ways? There's so many different ways to be successful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, it's such a, a great universal point that you're bringing up. And I think one, one of the things that stands out to me again with what you just said was that you often will just reach a point where you say, I don't know. And then it's almost like from that unknowing, then you're actually open to asking for help and, and receiving the guidance. Cause I know for myself and for many of us, it, one of the hardest things can be to actually be open to just saying, I don't, I don't know. And I do need help. Right. Yeah. So I, I thank you for sharing that so openly. Cause I think so no matter what stage we are in life, that becomes really such a valuable understanding of life to just keep yeah. coming back to for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's been one of the things that's helped me so much in in taking on each new role I've taken on. Mm. Um, and actually, I forgot to mention um, Alexander was a huge help in getting me reintegrated mm. into the businesses. Um, being one of my best friends, you know, he would always be there to help me out. Um, there was you know so many late nights and stuff where I'm like I'm trying to get this thing done. He's like, I'll come down and help you. So like. Um, he would help me out and then he's just a whiz at figuring stuff out as far as mechanically or, um, building something or making a quick fix. And it, it's, it's terrible cause I'm a mechanical engineer, but mechanically I am not gifted. Oh well. my God. Um, so that was something I would always come to him. He's like, aren't you the mechanical engineer? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I only play with these on computers, not in real life. <laughs> So um, he was a huge help in helping me get get back into wow. it. So, very cool. 
So one, the aspect that you, about this that really resonates with me is this community aspect. <clears throat> and I want to ask you, you know, as you, you've had so much community support that you're expressing to grow the commons and really what is has become our, our village center on Kameno. And I, I wonder, what do you see as the vision for our community going forward? Maybe some seed thoughts you'd like to share with us. Yeah, well, I mean... Really, I want to see, I want to continue to see events grow. And what we've tried to do um, s since learning from Brian and Jessica and these people putting on events and how to do it, um, we've tried to add one large scale event per year mm. in the courtyard wow. for the last couple of years. Wow. Um, so this year, unfortunately, we lost one. We lost the Beer Can Derby one. Um, but it, we did replace it this year with the Kids Fest, mm -hmm. um, which had Huge a great turnout. success, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we have the farmer's market that happens throughout the summer mm -hmm. on every Tuesday. Um, and then we have the Christmas tree lighting. Um, and so we're always trying to add, like, a little bit more. Um, I'm in talks with someone, and we'll see if it it comes comes to or not. But doing, like, maybe, like, a bluegrass festival type deal. That's a great idea. Um, there's actually quite a few gifted mus musicians here on the island mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. love that type of folk music. Mm -hmm. um, I know the South End String Band is a, has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, that's something I'd like to see maybe happen in the future as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I really just want to keep seeing more events happen here. Um, we've put on some, like, little mini events as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, we did the small business holiday market this year, which mm -hmm. we've never done upstairs mm -hmm. in the marketplace. Um, and from everyone I talked to, it had really good good feedback on it. So, Yeah. yeah. I, we, uh, speaking of having been able to attend that, I think it, it was great. Mm -hmm. I think we just see such an amazing potential in this space. I can flash back to when we first got to the island seven years ago and we would come to the marketplace to get a cup of coffee. And it was, there was virtually no businesses in the marketplace at that time. Right. And we would sit in that courtyard and just think, gosh, but this is the place to be. And we could just feel that it was bubbling under the surface. And, you know, I think, and a huge testament to your dad. Yeah. And now you being willing to step in and pick it up and, and really, you know, hold it out there that we can have nice things on Kameno too. And we can have this community center together. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, it's been a, a great, great thing to see all of the growth that's happened and be able to see the more events. And, um, I mean, you guys as well with an on the farms and just, um, jumping in and helping out within the farmer's market. Um, and every time that we get a crazy idea, we're like, well, I bet Ananda Farms will be part of that. Oh, yeah. And you guys <laughs> are always willing to jump in and help. And um, for those who weren't there at the holiday market, they did a surprise caroling, which was just incredible. It was it was really fun to see that. So we're on the team. We're here. Yeah. So um, what what's the time like on this? How late? How long do we usually go? Um, aim for like the 40 to 30 to 40 minutes. Okay, cool. Are we way past that or something? We're past that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to, I do, I want to uh, make sure we get in your rapid fire questions. <clears throat> Alrighty. And I want to give you a chance to answer these. So do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Kameno Island that you like to hang out? Um, well, I think the, uh, the, the place I used to hang out on Atsaladi Road or Atsaladi Bay, um, that is private property, so please don't go hang out there now. Um, but that really was one of my favorite uh, places as a kid. Um, 
nowadays, um, both my brother-in-law and my parents live, um, they have beach access. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so my brother-in-law through the country club and, and my parents through their house, uh, they have the beachfront property. So, um, really going out there and hanging out, yeah. um, just being able to hang out on the beach. Yeah. Um, but I did get to go check out the Barnum Point area. And um, <clears throat> I can't wait for summer because I'll go out there again when it's not pouring rain on me and my kids. Yeah. Um, for, yeah. <laughs> I just put a plug in for Barnum Point as well. I just was blown away by how big and magnificent that park is. We're really lucky yeah. to have that on the island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. And what would their first day look like? Um... I think we would, I mean, we would obviously start, <laughs> my <own> plug, <laughs> but we would, we'd start at the marketplace because we just need a cup of coffee to get going in the day. That's real. Um, and a croissant. Yes. So yeah, we'd grab something from there. Um, and really I think hanging, like doing a drive around the island is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, going around, showing them the whole island. Mm-hmm. Cause honestly, I don't drive the whole island that often because mm-hmm. most of my stuff is on the North end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually had to go down to the South end of the island recently and it's just kind of, it keeps going. It's a, it's a long <laughs> island. That's true. Um, <laughs> but it's a beautiful island and, mm-hmm. um, there's so many things to see on it. So mm-hmm. I think doing that. Um, I got to go kayaking this summer, um, so I don't have my own kayak, so I don't know how I would do it, but if there's any way to get them on the water, um, definitely try and do that. That's amazing. That's a um, good one when you can get out there and look back. Yeah. Get out there on the water and look yeah. back on the land. So, And then we have to finish up at um, either baked or tapped, um, both of them. Probably get lunch at baked and then get dinner at tapped. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. So who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that you should interview next? <laughs> Do you have somebody in mind? Um, let's see. Uh, well, I mean, one of the things, I mean, this has been said many times on the podcast, but we really do have such a depth of interesting people here on the island. And I think the other thing is, and maybe it's it's not just that we have interesting people, but it's interesting because of the fact we all live... Um, actually, I live in Mount Vernon, but <laughs> most of us all live on Camino. We found Camino. Um, it's not somewhere where you accidentally end up. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story of how they got here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just talking to a, a family friend, and uh, he was saying he moved from Atlanta, Georgia, and you know, he's like, "How did I end up here?" Like over, you know, I would never have guessed that that that's this is where I would end up, mm-hmm. and so. I think I have such a depth of people I can interview and talk to within the community mm-hmm. um, because everyone has a story of how they got here and why they chose Kameno, not why they ended up here. Mm-hmm. Truly. So. Okay, last of the rapid fire. If you could put any message on a billboard on Kameno, what would it say? Uh this is always a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> this is your question. I know. I always have fun asking. <laughs> and it you have like, billboards. What are they going to say? Um, but really, I think, um, I mean, welcome to Kameno. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy your time here. Not that all this would fit, but um, just that it's it's a great island to be able to visit. Um, I feel very blessed that I get to work here mm-hmm. um, and that... I don't know. I, just being part of this community is such a neat, neat thing. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can give a, a glimpse of that to people that are visiting the island. Truly. Um, 
you know, I, especially here at the marketplace, that is definitely our goal is to be, uh, kind of the, um, what are they called? The people that, uh, that welcome you places, hotels and stuff. I'm, I don't have the hotel consciousness, but the word that came to my mind was a steward yeah. of the island. Yeah. But yeah, a- we really want to be like the gateway to the island. Like, hey, you got to go check out Barnum Point and all these other mm-hmm. p- great places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's kind of our goal is to be able to welcome everyone to the island. So, mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I just want to end my part of it by just uh, thanking Brandon again for deciding to come on to his podcast today. And for putting up with me. And uh, yeah, maybe you can close us out in your normal way. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you to you for for setting this all up. I was trying to figure out who to put on a guest um, that I could get a week before Christmas. <laughs> and and you approached me and, and said, I want to do this. Let's set it up. So Actually, I'll say that my idea was that Brandon get interviewed by Jeff. <laughs> and then I went and I asked Jeff and he laughed in my face. And he told me you should do it. So... Here we are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. it. It's been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate what all you guys, uh, what you and what Ananda does here in, in at Camino Commons as well as on the island. So, Namaste, my friend. <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Zach Abbey for joining me on the podcast today and for the interview. Uh, he did a great job, by the way. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't already... Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And for more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.